Our portion this week is verses 18 and 19 of Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 verses 18 through 19. These are God's words. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all, to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. It has been three weeks since we were in Romans 5 together. Uh, so it's helpful, I think, to go back to where uh, this sentence began, uh, especially since verse 18 is probably where the thought of verse 12 picks up. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, therefore, as through one man's offense, to all men resulted condemnation. Uh, that's the completion of the thought, but there was this uh, long interruption, this long uh, parenthesis in verses 13 through 17, uh, in which we heard first in verses 12 through 14, or verse 13 and 14, about the reality of the federal headship of Christ, of his representing us, and our union with him through faith, that when we believe in him and have him as our federal head, we are united to him. And this reality was presented through the lens or through the window or the reflection, the comparison of the fact of Adam's federal headship and our union with Adam. That's easier to see because we can see how sinful everyone is. And we can see how sinful we are and we know in our hearts that we are worthy of death, that we are worthy of God's wrath. Uh, and so since we can see that we were in Adam when he sinned, we can see our sinfulness, we know our guilt, the reality of federal headship and union with our federal head is easily proven through Adam. And that's what he showed us in verses 13 and 14. Then in verses 15 through 17, he takes this fact of our being represented by the Lord Jesus, if we believe in him, and our being united to the Lord Jesus, if we believe in him, and he shows that the benefits that we get through being represented to Christ are so much greater than the harm that came to us through being represented by Adam. And the benefits that come to us by being united to Christ are even greater than the harm that came to us by being united to Adam. That's what we heard last time, was that this is not a balanced comparison uh, in which if you are in Adam, you get a certain quantity uh, of, bless, uh, of curse, uh, and if you come to be in Christ, you get a corresponding quantity 
of blessing. No, the blessedness that is in Jesus is infinitely greater than the cursedness that was in Adam. And it's at that point that we come now to verses 18 and 19 this evening, uh, in which this uh, blessedness in Christ and this cursedness uh, in Adam is given uh, two, uh, in two different areas or of two different types. First, that if we are in Adam, then we are in Adam's judicial status. But if we are in Christ, we are brought into Christ's judicial status. And then in the second place, that if we are in Adam, then we are in Adam's moral state. But if we are in Christ, we are being brought into and have already been given the nature that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ's moral state. It's a theological reality already in our positional sanctification but it will be when God has finished the work that he has begun in us, which we are confident that he will do. It will be an experiential reality in our glorification. So those are the two things before us tonight, that whatever, whoever our federal head is, in verse 18, we are together with him in the same judicial status that he is in. Uh, or was in, uh, since Adam is not even in himself anymore, but is in the Lord Jesus through faith, that we are in the judicial status of our federal head. Uh, And then in verse 19, that we are brought into the moral state of our federal head. Now, if you were reading along as we were reading from the New King James Version, uh, and you weren't reading from the outline that I passed out, I think Uh, The italics are removed in the outline that I passed out. But if you're reading in a a copy um, of a New King James Bible, you probably noticed that there are a lot of italicized words in verse 18. Uh, And that's because they're supplying a number of things in their translation. So what I've done is I've supplied for you on the outline uh, a much more uh, literal translation. Through one transgression... To all men came condemnation. Through one righteousness, to all men came justification of life. The therefore and the even so are are also there. Therefore, as through one transgression to all men came condemnation, even so, or so, or thus, through one righteousness, or uh, this is... This is describing the righteous action. Through one righteous act, to all men came justification of life. And so it's describing the action of Adam when he transgressed the covenant of works. And it's talking about the action of our Lord Jesus Christ when he redeemed us by his blood on the cross. Yes, the Lord Jesus has done many righteous acts and they are counted for us as if we had done uh, that very obedience that he has rendered. So, for instance, children, uh, when one of our children dishonors uh, his father or his mother and we are uh, disciplining and instructing uh, and we talk to him or talk to her uh, about 
their only hope that they can have and why it is that we're doing what we're doing. We're doing what we're doing because it's what God says to do. And the reason we're doing what God says to do is because he is the one who has given Christ for sinners. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, not only does his death put away all of our sins, but all of his righteous actions are counted for us. And so you are counted before God if you believe in Jesus Christ as if you had never once in your whole life dishonored your mother, dishonored your father. You'd only ever thought respect, respectfully about them, only ever spoken respectfully to them, had always uh, not just obeyed them, but obeyed them right away and all the way and cheerfully. Oh, that we had done so. But before God, it is as if we had done so. Because Christ's obedience is counted for those who believe in him. But the great act of his obedience, the act that has brought us out of a state of condemnation and brought us into a state of justification of life, is the righteous act of offering himself up for us on the cross. This was the greatest of all of the obedience that the Lord Jesus rendered in his earthly life. For this reason, he says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life for the sheep. It was the most lovable thing that he had ever done. Everything he did was pleasing to the Father, was exactly according to the law of God, was exactly according to the character of God. And yet this was the one righteous act that was the greatest of his obedience. And it was that particular obedience through which we by faith in him, by union with him, are brought out of the state, or status, sorry, we're using status and state in a very distinct way, I should be careful about that tonight, out of the status, the standing of condemnation before God, and into the status or the standing of being righteous before God, out of being guilty before God, and into being innocent before God. And you can see then the original status that every one of us has as we come into this world. The status into which we came in Adam when he sinned. We sinned in him. We died in him. We became guilty. And so the scripture here says, through one transgression, to all men came condemnation. Not just guilty feelings before God but an actual judicial standing of being guilty before the holy God, before the righteous and just God. A standing of being hateful to God's goodness so that God himself is not hateful, but evil, sin, is hateful to his goodness. God does not have wrath in himself so much as an eternal perfection because in in God from all eternity there is only righteousness and holiness and justice but when we sin when we sinned in Adam when we fell with him became wicked then all of the holiness of God all of the righteousness of God all of the justice of God rightly, justly bends its fury, its hatred upon who we are and what we have done. 
condition, of course, that could not last for those whom the Lord had foreknown and predestined and therefore would must call and justify and glorify, but a genuine condition nonetheless. Through Adam's one act, because he represented us and because we were in him and united to him when he did it and therefore we did it with him, we were brought into a judicial status, a judicial standing of being guilty before God. And we will have a glimpse. On the last day, we will have just a little glimpse of what this standing of being guilty before God looks like. When those who are still guilty on that day are terrified and horrified, and they're crying out for the hills to hide them and the mountains to fall upon them because the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. And when he says, depart from me, I never knew you, even to many who have called him Lord and thought they had done many things that showed that he was their Lord. And so as verse 18 says, through one man's offense to all, uh, to all men came condemnation. It's describing that to all men came that guilt before God that will be declared by Christ in the last day and they will be cast into that outer darkness that is described by the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, unable to do anything about the greatness of their pain and misery. The greatest pain, the greatest misery in this life does not begin to tell us what is this condemnation, what is this standing, this status of being under the wrath of God. Now those who have the eye of faith do not have to wait until the last day to know what hell is and to know what condemnation before God is. Because we actually have an even fuller place to see it. The eye of faith may have a glimpse of what guilt before God looks like, of what the wrath of God looks like when we read and hear and think about the cross of Jesus Christ. The beloved one, the one who is beloved of God from all eternity in the bosom of the Father who who in the beginning was and was with God and was, uh, was facing God. Father and Son and Holy Spirit in the greatness of divine love so that God himself is love. Everything that love is, God is because the Son is beloved. The one of whom God says he, he opens the, the portal uh, to the creation, as it were, at his baptism and again at his transfiguration and testifies from heaven, this is my beloved son, the one whom the Spirit teaches us when we come to believe in him. Uh, and this is the, this is the first uh, evidence of 
the work of the Holy Spirit and giving life to someone that they call him the beloved. And this is the mark of the church, the bride, when she has been perfected on the last day that she says as she does over and over again in the Song of Songs that he is my beloved, the beloved one, the blessed one. God also testifying with him, I am well pleased. He's described at uh, the end of 1 Timothy 6 or towards the end of 1 Timothy 6 as being the one whom no eye can has seen or can see who dwells in unapproachable light. The blessed one, the beloved one, the blessed one, the righteous one, the one whom 2 Corinthians 5.21 says knew no sin. He was made to be sin. The one who is truth and cannot lie cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And infinite wrath was poured out upon the infinite person of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was exhibited, displayed, set forth as a propitiation. This is where we see the greatness of that condemnation. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. For as we heard in chapter 1, they have despised we in Adam have despised the glory of God. As it is repeated in chapter 3, we all sinned. When did we sin? Well, we've all sinned in ourselves, but we all sinned in Adam and fell short of the glory of God. And so that is the status into which one man's offense, one man's wicked act, transgression of the covenant, that is the status of condemnation into which he brought every single one who was in him. Now, if you are hearing this sermon, you came into this world in that status of one who is condemned, that standing of condemnation, of guilt before God and his justice and his wrath. And if that is still your standing, if you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then consider now how patient and merciful God is being with you, since you ought even now to be under and in the fire of his wrath, since you ought to even now be in hell. And unless you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, soon you will be. For eternity is forever, and this life is but a breath. And if you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are still in condemnation in Adam and in yourself. And if you leave this world not having believed in Christ, not having been brought in a, into a status of righteousness before God, then he will be right and just. And he will have been all the more displayed to be righteous. And just. 
by the patience that he now shows you. For you are not in hell. The wrath of God is not being poured out upon you. Sure, it has been displayed from heaven against all unrighteousness and all ungodliness of men. It is displayed in the fact that we are bound and given over to our sinful natures. That we come into this world bound and given over to our sinful natures. But it is not yet being poured out on you. He makes the sun to shine on you. Is a blessing. He does that to the reprobate, doesn't he? He does that to those who will never believe. His life-giving rain falls on them, clothes them and feeds them, even as they despise him and hate him. And how well he does for them, he who feeds even the birds and clothes the lilies. And even before we're his children, he clothes and feeds. He clothes his enemies. He feeds his enemies. He gives to his enemies to drink. Whom do you think you imitate when you love your enemy as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a child of the living God? Do you not show yourself then to be a child of your Father in heaven? But if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, every breath you breathe is loaned to you by the God who would be perfectly righteous and just even now to cast you into hell. And soon you will draw your last breath in this world. And what will your condition be then? He is patient. He is merciful. He even tells us in Scripture, if you have not believed in Jesus, he tells us he is unwilling that any should perish. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that you would turn and live the patience and forbearance of God. The riches of his goodness are meant to bring you to repentance. Not that you would hear all of this and harden your heart and decide that you will hate the God who would rightly hate you in your sin. But that you would see how patient and merciful he is yet with you now. And that you would be broken, that you would be brought to repentance that you would behold his mercy and love and say, such a God was worthy already of all of my obedience. He is worthy of my giving myself up to him, of my refusing to be mine anymore, of my refusing and hating to be what I am in the first Adam, in my first representative, and what I am in myself, and to refuse to be my own now, and to be Christ's, to have him as my head, to be united to him. Give yourself up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn and live. Come to him for forgiveness. Stop being your own in the status of one who is guilty in the first Adam, and be Christ's, giving yourself up to him, falling upon him, being joined to him, so that in him, in his one righteous act, you will have been brought into his own judicial status, justified unto life, worthy of life. So that yes, when God gives you life, it is life that you did not earn, but in Christ, it is the right response to your new standing in Jesus, 
all of that justice and holiness and righteousness of God, demanding that you would be blessed forever, not merely that you would continue to exist unharmed forever, but that you would be given the appetite for God that you ought to have, that you would be given a desire for him and love for him and satisfaction in him, and that you would be given him whom you desire and him whom you love and him in whom and by whom you are satisfied. And if you are not in a state of condemnation, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Perhaps you need even now to consider in verse 18 your original status, your original standing. Consider where you were before God brought you by his spirit to faith in Jesus Christ. Consider how you were under the condemnation of God in Adam through his transgression. You are safe now. You are righteous before God now. And maybe you have been for a long time. And maybe you have forgotten how much you've been forgiven. What it was from which you were saved. And perhaps you have been finding yourself lately not loving him as you ought. Not loving him with the intensity of the, the sinful woman who comes and pours out that pound of pure nard. And the Lord Jesus saying, it's those who are forgiven much who love much. You see, when you and I realize that we have been cold-hearted towards God, cold-hearted towards the Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of the things that we need to remember. Therefore, as through one transgression to all men through came condemnation. We need to remember what it was from which we were saved, how much it is that we have been forgiven so that we may see what it cost, so that we may see how we have been loved. And we who have been forgiven much may once again love much. Because we ought to have been in hell. But we are not. And then perhaps there are here not those who know that they haven't believed or those who know that they have believed, but those who aren't sure. But do you see how great the stakes are? You should desire assurance. You should desire to know. You should flee to Christ now. Perhaps you are a backslidden believer, a, a, a true sprout of wheat that is so sickly and wicked that it looks like a tear. But surely you must want to know before the sickle is put in and the wheat and the tear are sep- tears are separated. Fly to Christ. Being uncertain will not condemn you, but it should unsettle you that you may be condemned. Make right use of that unsettling. Make right use of that fear. And flee again to the Lord Jesus Christ for your righteous standing before God. And if you may have that righteous standing, then at least flee to him for the certainty of it. 
Maybe this will be the time that you now finally truly trust in him for the first time. Whichever it is doesn't matter because if you have him, you will have that standing. And so if you have that lack of assurance, that uncertainty of being in him, then make the right use of it in Romans 5 verse 18. And see the condemnation in Adam on the one hand and the standing, the status of the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness before God, justification of life on the other hand. And flee out of yourself and out of the first Adam and into Christ. Your new status, if you are a believer, is that of being justified unto life. Innocent and righteous before God, approved by God under his blessing. This too we will have a glimpse of in the last day. When we see the Lord Jesus as he is, when we see how righteous he is, that which will terrify the unbeliever and thrill the believer when we see the spotless, perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect holiness and justice of our Lord Jesus Christ, how we will admire him, how we will praise him, and how those who are wicked will understand that all of these ridiculous hopes that they heard about and the false preaching of the gospel, falsely so-called, that the Lord Jesus isn't so upset with sin as they thought, that, that he, he really just loves them and wants them to love themselves like he does, that he is okay with them as they are, All of those hopes will vanish because of the perfect righteousness and holiness and justice of the Lord Jesus. And through his righteous act on the cross, that justification, that righteousness that belongs to him, all who believe in him are brought into it. Again, those who have the eye of faith, Don't need to wait until the last day. We may have a glimpse of it as we read and hear and think. Now, not so much about the crucifixion, but as but about the resurrection. Death couldn't hold him. Wrath was exhausted upon him because he is so perfectly and completely righteous. And when he ascended into heaven and took his seat upon the throne at the right hand of majesty having atoned for our sins and taken his seat there. He took a seat that was his by right in his person, but now is his by merit in his obedience as a man, as our mediator, the man, Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and men. Where was he raised? To the right hand of the very throne of God, And the scriptures say such things as border on and we would know that they were blasphemy except for now because God has said it. We must marvel that they are true and not blasphemous. We are not seated as God on the throne of heaven, but we are united to him and seated with him and in him as a bride, as one with her husband. And so the mediator, the man, Jesus Christ, 
has a standing of righteousness and innocence and vindication that we may see in his resurrection and we may know is the extent of the standing of the righteousness that we have before God in him. See, God made him who knew no sin to be sin, that in him, through faith in him, we would become the righteousness of God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are as justified as Jesus is. You are declared righteous as much as Jesus is declared righteous in the resurrection. And we say that with holy reverence. It's impossible even for our hearts and minds to believe, isn't it? That I who still sin, through faith in Jesus Christ, have been brought into justification of life in his one righteous act. If this is your status, consider the blessedness of it. Behold what manner of love the Father has shown unto us, that we would be called children of God, that that which is Jesus's by right He has also earned for us and the love of God has given to us in him. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like you his praise should sing when you see the greatness of the righteousness of the standing that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ Ought not your heart well up with praise? Praise him. Praise him. Or better yet, as the psalmist himself puts it, bless the Lord, my soul, my whole heart, and forget none of his benefits. And so remember this benefit. Through the one's righteous act. The word man is not repeated there in verse 18. It is the God-man, in fact, the mediator, the Lord Jesus, through the one's righteous act to all men who are in him came justification of life. This is what has come to you in the Lord Jesus Christ if you have believed in him. Remember that benefit. Remember your righteous standing before God so that you will not forget this benefit and you will bless him with your whole heart. Oh, God, how blessed you are. And the Spirit convincing us of this truth of this verse brings our hearts and mouths into line with the souls of the just made perfect in glory, with the angels in glory, so that all his hosts praise him, all his servants praise him. And we say, oh, my soul, praise him. The Lord's bearing us will consider verse 19 together next week. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you for the transfer of standing, the transfer 
of judicial status that you have granted unto us when you brought us out of the first Adam and into your Son, our Lord Jesus, as the last Adam. Oh, we pray that you would remind our hearts again of that out of which we have been brought so that seeing how much we have been forgiven, we would love much and grant to us the help of your Spirit to see and to know into what we have been brought so that our souls would praise you and not forget this benefit. We pray, O God, for any who are in the hearing of this sermon and this prayer, who are yet in the judicial status of the first Adam. Grant to them, O God, to see the danger that they are in and the safety that is in Jesus. And by your Spirit, give to them to run from what they are in themselves and in Adam, to have Christ and his standing, which we ask in his name. Amen.